Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Red Thread Podcast. I'm your host, the Royal We, Randy. Well, it's great to be back this week, and uh, so let me just give you a rundown of the coming episode here. I got with Juan over at Truth and Media on Instagram. He's also got a podcast, Bricks in the Wall. And uh, if you've never checked any of that stuff out or checked out his posts, go check those out. I highly recommend it. I decided to get with him uh, when it comes to truths hidden in, well, in media, frankly. And I thought that that would be the perfect person to kind of team up with and get into the story of Cloud Atlas. Not too much the story. We do run through the storyline real quick. and um, But the parallels are, are very interesting. So there's a, a few things in the film that, you know, you can kind of take little gems of information about actual happenings in our world, uh, in our reality, versus the realities shown to us in film. So uh, this one was fun. I had a great time. And I'm looking forward to doing more film and book type dives, uh, especially when it comes to fiction. I'm always looking at why, what can we pull out of these fictions um, and use to kind of understand our current paradigm a little bit better. So enjoy. All right, this is Random Randy from Red Thread Podcast. I'm here with Juan from Bricks in the Wall Podcast. How's it going, Juan? Great. How you doing, brother? Doing fantastic, man. I'm glad to have uh, finally caught up with you here. Uh, it's a crazy life out there, so it's always nice when I get to uh, connect minds with another like-minded individual. Yes, sir. It's interesting. Every time I do these things and meet new people, it's always that synchronistic type of thing. Earlier, we are talking, and I was just mentioning how we met on... Uh, ghost this podcast he does tech at the talk at the tavern where it's just like a free form we just talk and chill drink beer and we met and now we're here absolutely yeah and it's it's been like that since i started this thing and it's only been uh i want to say in december i i think is when i started my podcast and um you know i've met some crazy interesting people um i still uh, you know I, am under the kind of like self-imposed uh kind of thought process that that people think I'm crazy, <laughs> you know, with some of this stuff. But then you, you know, you meet somebody that's looked into the arts and has looked into um, what Hollywood's up to. And there's quite a few of us out there that look into this stuff, the Masons, what's going on with this const- control structure. Right. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit lost on some of the folks that are searching into hidden history. Um, you know, a lot of folks will tend to kind of dive into the facts as they're presented I kind of take a different stance on this and go with what are the facts that we're being presented with as fictions, right? Through Mm. these, these movies and this programming, Um, you know, when you're a kid, uh, you're, you're raised to believe nothing that you see in movies is real. Right. Right. Um, And that's just fake, but they can still get people when the debut of Jaws came out, they still got people off the beaches for however many like years, you know? So um, there's definitely a, a real guttural kind of response to seeing something in a film. Um, and uh, they, they kind of through our own parents and through our own upbringing have instilled in us that these things are not true, right? None of these things that they say in fantasies um, having to do with distant past, you know, it can only be this story, the story of Atlantis and the Anunnaki and 
and so on. And it's, you know, only been a few thousand years, you know what I mean? Since Jesus. And so there's this kind of the story that goes nowhere beyond 12,000 years ago, uh, first of all. And even that's a stretch, you know, to, to most modern scholars, that 12,000 year mark for the pyramids and things. Um, but then you look at stories like Star Wars um, with this kind of intergalactic totalitarianism, right? And you see this stuff being rolled out in real time in our lifetime through the control structures that are here. And it kind of makes you wonder, did they have this scripted up before they ever wrote, before George Lucas ever sat down and wrote Star Wars? Was this a scripted thing that they've been doing over and over and over again, you know, way back into time? And um, they don't want to let us know of their failures. You know, the control system has failed time and time again. We have the story of the fall of Rome, but that's about all we've got. You know, we're not really told how um, these past civilizations come, like meet their doom. We're told little pieces of things. Um, and I think kind of leading into, into Cloud Atlas, which I wanted to speak with you about tonight. Um, this is another kind of set of tales pertaining to the past and the near future. Um, I kind of beg to differ about the timeline of the story. I think that it's all kind of rooted in the past and that, uh, you know, humanity was once great and, uh, you know, has fallen, has since fallen. And that's what this kind of, um, this memory of this futuristic time that we see portrayed in movies as the year 20 something, something, <laughs> you know, uh, we see this portrayed in movies a lot and there's so much detail to the way that things are conducted and carried out um, in cloud Atlas in particular, uh, you see these, these um, like librarian types, these um, I forget exactly what they're called. I should probably pull it up and take a look. Uh, but they're, they're basically uh, scribes, you know, that go around and they record everything for posterity. Yeah. So, you know, it just makes me believe that there was a system in place prior to probably all of the war that we know, which stretches back a few hundred years, at least. Um, I would say, I would dare say the beginning of the history of America, as we know it, 1492, right around the year 1500 is right around where things kind of stop making sense. And then this new uh, kind of structure of history is rolled out that we all uh, learn about in school. So I look at fictions as an alternate kind of a lens or like a peek into the minds of past peoples, right? Yep. Um, I think there's something to be said about genetic memory when it comes to a lot of inspiration that comes to uh, authors and to artists when they are writing screenplays and books, movies, painting, paintings, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's almost as if a lot of this is in real time being seen in their mind's eye. Um, so yeah, let that, me throw this in, brother. I don't yeah. know. I'm sure you know about the Akashic records. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and you know, if you're into, uh, if you're into anime at all, you will come across the concept of the Akashic Records real fast, especially recently in a lot of anime. It's pushed out there. Magic symbolism is pushed out there. Witchcraft, demon worship. I mean, it's all there. And, you know, at a certain point, you got to ask yourself, how fictional are these tales that were being spun? 
No, I, I think the, the, what I'm saying is all from the Akashic Records. These people who are coming up with this stuff are pulling ideas from this Akashic Records where they can stretch back in time or even in the future or even stories that are unknown to most of us. They can pull this information and you hit it right on the nail, brother. That's what my whole thing is. Truth in media. That's my name on Instagram. And what I'm trying to do is show people the truth in media. And like you said, when I was younger, I thought I was insane. I thought, am I really just looking too much in these movies? Am I, what am I doing? Why am I looking at the numbers? Why am I pausing the screen to look at what's on the screen? Why am I so invested into figuring out what they're doing? And it's just like you said, all of this is sorcery. It's magic. When you're watching a movie, that's literally the incantation. That's the spell. You're putting yourself in front of these witches and you're allowing them to like manipulate you. And um, when you were saying that, like, yeah, I think all these stories have something to do with reality. I mean, they don't come up for nothing. And, you know, that saying that life imitates reality. Right, right. Life imitates art. And, and we've seen art also in turn uh, imitate life. Right. Um, and what's interesting kind of about the Akashic Records, it's known as a, a timeless place, right, where where information is uh, essentially stored in a, in a very um, dare I say like analog fashion, we're used to digital media storage, you know, digital storage of data. Um, before there was digital storage, there was analog storage where, you know, we would write things, things would, would go onto a hard drive. So it, it, if you think about electric universe, the way the world works, everything being energy, essentially, um, then you will see that in some sense of it, you know, within our brains, we have these different uh, synapses and, and they're, they're just like transistors or vacuum tubes or any of these other components that we build into our technology, you know, although they're organic. So, um, and this always raised the question to me, what is it that our, that our brains are, are receiving aside from these five senses, you know, taste, touch, smell, um, feel, and, uh, and sight, right? Those five senses, that's what we're told that that's all there is. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but at the same time, you will get a ringing in your ear right before, a, a, you know, a grandparent calls you, you know, you, you will have a dream about a family member. Perhaps this happened to me very recently. I have a dream about a family member call and find out that she's not doing well and she's in the hospital, you know. Um, and, and I honestly, I wouldn't have made that phone call probably if it wasn't for that kind of premonitory dream. Wow. So, so where's that all coming from? And a name for that is, is the Akashic record. And, um, you know, it makes a lot of sense that, uh, tied to that Akashic record is, is the pineal gland. Okay. And, um, and also thereby makes sense that through our food and our water and our air, we are being inundated with heavy metals, right. um, like to such a massive extent, it's crazy. Heavy metals, um, most hamburger joints put, something called pressure of soda in their French fries, which is a mild form of arsenic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, we're being uh, bombarded with these poisons that have been essentially proven um, by mystics the world over to calcify your pineal gland, which um, kind of leads to a, a sense of disconnect, um, yeah. you know, a, a no inspiration. Um, and it makes you kind of a willing participant in this entertainment or uh, as I'm sure you know, mind control game that's being played on us. So the um, etymology for uh, government is mind control, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's very interesting that um, it has been so successful and that people are so disconnected from 
the possibilities, <laughs> I guess, because, you know, the universe is infinite. The possibilities are endless. And we've all been taught uh, all the while being told to think outside the box. We've been taught a box to think in. And and we do, you know, it wasn't until um, probably 10 years ago uh, would have been just after my son was born. I started looking at what's going on in the skies and reading up on on conspiracies and things and finding out how much of it was called a conspiracy. But then you go and check and there's patents um, like the mind control patent for television. Uh, I mean, you know, anybody can go out and look at this, look this stuff up and tell them, tell them to look it up. Tell them what to look up, because people, when I try to tell them, they're like, no, you're crazy. But there's actual patents. What's the do you know the number of it? I think. I'll As find out up, right I now. I want to continue what you were saying earlier about the pineal gland, because I think it's very crucial and very important where you were going with it, that that they're poisoning us. Why? Because once you poison and calcify the pineal gland, like you were kind of hinting that you lose that connection to the Akashic records. Like, think about it like this. Why do you think kids who are brand new and fresh, who their pineal gland hasn't been as calcified, they have more in touch of that psychic paranormal type of power. A lot of kids Absolutely. know like about their past lives. They know um, they have dreams that are very prophetic. They can, uh, a lot of kids, they put them through tests where you tell them, guess, guess what number I'm thinking. And they'll hit it right on, on the head. It's like, we are psychic, powerful beings, but we're being, those powers are being taken away from us through poison, poisoning of the water, the air, the food, even our minds are being poisoned through television. Television is a poison. Absolutely. It's, it's an ingenious system of manipulation. And I've got the patent pulled out uh, and you can go, you can look up patent mind control television and yeah. it pulls up the patent number. It's US 6506-148. B2. And this patent is for ner nervous system manipulation by electromagnetic fields. So what this does when you sit down in front of the boob tube, you know, as they called it when I was growing up, you sit down in front of this thing. And it's not just the 60 hertz uh, strobing light that hypnotize you all that although that does. Um, it's uh, so basically, physiological effects have been observed in human subject in response to stimulation of the skin with the skin, mind you, with weak electromagnetic fields that are pulsed within certain frequencies near a half hertz or 2.4 hertz, such as to excite a sensory resonance. This is why when you sit down for a movie in a darkened room or darkened theater, you get kind of that that up uppy kind of vibe. This is what's addicting about going to the theater, right? Right. Um, and it's not, and the theaters, as you know, always have these massive speaker systems emanating tons of not just, uh, EMF, but also, uh, cymatic type resonance. So, you know, you're, you're drawn into that. And the same thing with concerts, everything is tuned at 440 when you go and watch music or listen to music. So it's, um, it's just enough off of the harmonic resonance 432 that your your listening ears don't notice it too much but in your mind that translation that's going through with the cymatic waves is altered so you're you're not able to gain the full experience of enjoyment or of love it might leave you feeling like you want more right a lot of people will listen to music throw their earbuds in from the time they get up until the time they go to bed because there's that that kind of craving for that sensory input Right. And, and this happens once you get used to something. Um, 
you know, we, we all have technology in our homes and in our lives that we're used to using. And, um, you know, most people will look at you like you're crazy. If you say, yeah, I turn my router off at night, you know, unplug my TVs and before I go to bed and they're like, why, you know what I mean? Then you have to plug it back in, in the morning. And I said, well, you know, there's electromagnetic frequencies that are, uh, hindering your brain waves from reaching a full restful state. And, you know, you get looked at oftentimes like I'm crazy, which is fine. More power well, to people them. People who are bitching about that, you can just go buy one of those automatic things that you can plug in the wall and then you can set what time you want. Right. Well, there's always a reason that they're bitching, though. And it's it's generally speaking from past experience. I know it is laziness. I, you know, I, I was not uh, willing to take the time and effort to find out what things are doing to me mm-hmm. and how to prevent that as much as possible until very recently. And, you know, it's crazy. Um, and truthers and conspiracy theorists are look at like mad people but these are the people that take it on themselves to not only seek truth but to do something in their own lives to change certain things like unplugging the router at night or um not stepping up to a 5g phone which also puts off frequencies that are if i'm not mistaken very near the same half hertz to 2.4 hertz um and that's you know it's also known as millimeter wave there's tons of different frequencies that these 5G systems are able to put off. Right. So, and I think we're, we're looking too much into it because we're, we're kind of above on um, people with this knowledge. But if you just look at the basic fundamentals, when you yeah. see somebody watching TV, they're, they're on a drug. They're sitting there. They're on a trance. They're just staring. They're not moving. The blood is pulling in, on their ass. They're uh, basically kind of like a person on heroin. They're not doing anything. So it be below you get the frequency before you get to the frequencies and the flicker rate, just watching a horror movie in and of itself, it, it, it raises your heartbeat. Your mind doesn't know that you're watching a, a television. Your mind thinks you're in a real scenario. It's making your heart rate go up. And this is where they start implanting those messages where you think you're watching a movie and it's entertainment, but your mind is so aware. It's so like taking in all that information because it thinks that it's going to need it at a later point. And that's where they slip in all these messages that you think is just a, a scary movie. But no, there's more to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, this has been going on. This isn't just new TVs. Uh, new TVs are more effective at it, probably. But oh, yeah. um, all the way back in, in before 1960, um, a, a doctor or a neurological professor named Wiener, oddly enough, yeah. uh, is discussing the interaction uh, of the brain waves. Right. Um, the electric field provides a direct electrical driving of the brain. So they are in the driver's seat, <laughs> you know, when you're sitting down and, and watching these this art, these films, this entertainment. Literally, it's entertainment. Um, it's controlling the mind the same as uh, government is. They have that that same suffix meant, which has to do with the mind. You know, so as many, uh, you know, anarchists are out there uh, down with the government and this and that, but sit at home and listen to 440 hertz music all day and watch TV and pretend that they're fighting against the man. No, you actually have to pick yourself up and do some things about it. Reach out to people, you know, even if it's say I reach 5, 10, 15 people that actually consider this episode and look into turning their TV off, you know, after a couple of hours, I, I feel like maybe I may have done my part to help somebody think for themselves, which is awesome. So, um, so yeah, jumping into to Cloud Atlas and, and knowing that you're big into the the truth in fiction uh, in media kind of thing, I uh, wanted to get with you and kind of discuss this this quote: "Epic science fiction film 
And uh, this is directed by the Wachowskis, uh, formerly the Mr. Wachowskis, now the Ms. Wachowskis. So that's its own episode (laughs) right there. Uh, But um, this movie has six different intertwining timelines. It jumps around a little bit. So if you're not a big fan of, you know, jumping kind of storyline, maybe this won't be for you. But there's a lot to it. Um, Jumps between different eras also spanning from you know, hundreds of years ago to a uh, hundred or 200 years in the future. And um, one of the, the storylines is in 1849, uh, the gentleman's a lawyer. Um, he sees a, a slave getting whipped. Uh, the same slave stows away on a ship that he gets on. Um, this guy Ewing advocates for him to join the crew. And um, during this trip back, this, this uh, character Ewing, uh, has a dentist with him, a doctor, right? That this dentist has spotted something shiny in his uh, lockbox, and he notices that he keeps a key around his neck. Mm-hmm. So, as this this guy winds up contracting a parasite, and um, this dentist he poisoned him, right? Like well, he he gets a parasite. Uh, is is what he tells the guy. He says, "Hey, oh. hey, um, you have a parasite. That's why you're throwing up." Um, I don't know if it goes so far as to say whether he poisoned him in the first place or not, or if it was just an op window of opportunity, you but know, he keeps uh, him sick. He keeps yeah, him- he keeps poisoning him, telling him, here's your medicine. And this is like incredibly relevant to me because I feel this way about the, the medical structure as we know it today. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you go to the doctor and they tell you, oh, yeah, here, take this this uh, pill. They don't tell you, first of all, A, it's for depression, but it's derived from fluoride. So mm-hmm. they don't tell you where these things come from and what they what they actually are doing to your body. Um, oh, you have high blood pressure. You know, let's not recommend that you change the way you eat <laughs> and exercise and what you're putting into your body. Let's add something to it. Yeah, take right? this drug. Yeah, here's this drug. And for most people, this drug will keep them sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it's not a direct poison you're still keeping that sick kind of mental state, uh, you know, that comes along with over, you know, binge eating or binge drinking, you know, alcohol is pushed real big on the masses. So that's its own kind of here, you, you know, you've, you've got a weekend, we've got a cure for that. Here's some alcohol, you know, so we're seeing this just kind of blatant, uh, blatant kind of manipulation of our own medical industry to this day. So, I thought that that was very interesting. I was like, that's exactly what they're doing to us right now. So that's that story. Um, the slave winds up saving his life and, um, you know, noticing what this doctor is doing. And we're not all that fortunate to have somebody in our lives to advocate for us, you know, especially nowadays as, de- you know, divided as people have become. Mm-hmm. And th- you think about it, the guy was a slave. So you kind of throw that hint in it to think that we're all slaves. But no, if you think about it, you can empower yourself and help others. Exactly. And, you know, the way the law of attraction works and, um, you know, most people scoff at, at the law of attraction, abundance and things like this. But it's not so much, uh, you know, getting back what you or um, you don't get before you put into you know what I mean? And oh, it's kind of the same with an electrical circuit. You won't receive something back until you put an effort into it, you know, right. a, a, um, a momentum or an energy. Yeah. So it's the same thing with life. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to find this out. You know, when you extend yourself to others, 
Um, even if it seems trivial to you, you know, you help somebody get into their car by using your AAA for them. You know what I mean? Um, little things, you know, it works. Put, I used to not believe in it, but after I hear in Sam Tripoli say, I was like, okay, you know what, what, what will I lose by trying to be a good person? And it, it took like a couple of days, but you can definitely see a return. You see a change and the universe does give back to you. Absolutely. And, and furthermore, it changes your, your outlook on things when you learn to, it conditions you, um, you know, a bad habit you can gain in as little as 30 days or a week sometimes, but to get rid of a habit, it takes upwards of three to six months right. to cement in that new mental process. And so if you start yourself small, right, um, health-wise, you start off like, okay, I'll just have a salad a day, right? You'll find yourself over the course of a number of months going, well, I can, I can do that. You'll find success in these other little things you're doing, whether it's your health or you know, your ability to provide for yourself. If it's, it sounds backwards, I know, but if you want to be able to provide and do well for yourself, extend yourself to others to help them. Uh, those that are a step behind where you are, right. you know, um, and in recovery, um, I'm a recovered, uh, recovering addict for going on three years now. And in recovery, they tell you in order to keep your sobriety, or your, you know, your clarity of mind, you have to give back. It kind of goes along with the yin and yang and like a student teacher kind of relationship. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have a son. So I have a daily student teacher interaction. And oh, yeah. I see that putting something across first, um, as opposed to, you know, maybe a reward after the fact, some incentive up ahead of the game tends to work a lot more successfully. Um, in many different aspects of, of life, you know, not just academics, but, you know, behavioral things. If you come out of the gate going, this is what's going to happen. And you make, and you make it, you decide in your head, Hey, I'm going to live abundantly. I'm going to be, you know, kind and honest and true to people. And I will receive truth and kindness and honesty. Um, once you make that, that conscious decision, a lot of it based on that conscious decision, um, to, to behave and to live that way, then it, it just, it all, it all starts happening very synchronistically. It's very strange at first, <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. when you start seeing the world give back to you, um, it's not always going to be that, that million dollars that you want, but you will suddenly find yourself with less and less worries until you're actually able to focus on how much more you can give to others. But okay. see, so sitting in front of the TV kind of keeps you from even pondering that set of thoughts right, right. there. They steal you know? your attention. And it's in the Bible. And I know a lot of people scoff at the mention of the Bible. But once you really go down the rabbit hole far enough, you'll realize that there's lots of truth in it. And in the Bible, Jesus being the Lord of all lords, the king of the universe and everything, he would kneel down and wash other people's feet. He would say, he who was first will be last in heaven and he who was last on earth will be first. It's all that type of stuff that it's like you said, it seems um, like counterintuitive. But well, I mean, counterintuitive, yes, but to some degree, that counterintuition is what has been instilled in us as yeah. normal. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the sad and sick part about the whole thing is it's nobody out there. It's no none of our faults for being born into this system, you know, um, and I think that's why a lot of people are looking into history, you know, more ardently and trying to find out what happened, because this system is so secure and so profound that it couldn't have just come up over the last 200 years, mm -hmm. you know? So, so that in, in itself is a whole nother rabbit hole, but um, 
so yeah, our, our medical system right there in this story, it tells about the, the medical system, right? It's like, yeah, they're telling you they're treating you for one thing, but they're doing a completely different thing. They, they are creating a condition for future uh, intervention, <laughs> essentially all the time. And um, so then we have, uh, and, and we'll just kind of run through the the plot here a little bit and, and touch on each little thing, because it seems like each small story within this massive kind of work um, mm-hmm. kind of you know, applies to something going on, not just today, but in, in history as we know it. Um, so in the, in the next story, um, it's 1936 and, uh, and a Robert Frobisher, uh, he, uh, basically is working with a composer, a composer. Um, and both of these guys have this crazy, strange song stuck in their heads. So they're trying to get it out on paper and actually create it. Right. It's called the cloud Atlas sextet. It's a and beautiful song, y'all. Go check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if anybody hasn't seen this movie, I think it's pretty much anywhere you can get movies, even streaming free. So, you know, look into that. It's um, interesting. And everybody will see their own different pieces of what's relevant within this film. Um, I've just picked a few here. But um, so it's 1936. Uh, they're constructing a masterpiece. The um, apprentice guy who's basically playing piano for the older composer and kind of doing his bidding is essentially the one that comes up with it. And, uh, and then the old, the older, more tenured um, musician uh, attempts to basically steal the rights uh, to it. So, um, so that goes kind of all bad. Um, I think that he snags the, the sextet and bounces out after shooting him, uh, or smacking him in the head or some something to that effect. Uh, but uh, anyway, so he finishes the sextet and then he actually shoots himself yeah, he uh, after after causing uh, whatever harm to the uh, older musician. So um, and that's pretty much the gist of that. This character does kind of tie in with other characters throughout the, mer- the movie, but he probably has the smallest kind of part uh, to play in this. Um, this is one of those weird uh, synchronistic type of overlaying movies where things from the past kind of pop into the present and into the future. It's oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so wild. Um, well, whenever I watch this movie, I kept thinking it's like kind of to me, it kind of gives hints of the story of reincarnation. How you meet the same people that you have in this life and other lives. Right. That soul family that, that people right. refer to kind of, you know, you, you've got this supposedly you've got this group of souls that is bound uh to this the same the concept is anyway uh the same oversoul and um it, it and just kind of it, it kind of speaks movie. to the fractal it, nature but yeah in, it's in this in this movie it's like six different movies in one and all, and in all the different times of the movie it's the same characters just playing different roles so it's it's very interesting that way yeah absolutely and and it's it's mind-blowing um just the the depth of each character i would really love to actually read the novel um you know because this is a this is a uh adaptation of a novel and if you know you've read books that have turned into movies you know full-on especially things like like um lord of the rings or um game of thrones you know you read those and then you go and watch the films or the movies and you're like oh what what a drag you know so i i can't wait to actually read this this book um get a little more detail on these characters um but this this um this frobisher guy he's he's a homosexual and uh his lover is a is a man 
and um, he shoots himself before his lover can meet back up with him, essentially. Um, and then it, so then it'll it'll kind of cut over to San Francisco in 1973. And uh, Halle Berry plays a journalist, um, you know, just your average run of the mill movie type journalist on onto a hot story. Um, she meets up with uh, the guy who just shot himself's lover, Mr. Sixsmith, and he's now a nuclear physicist. OK, um, what that says about, you know, the nature of homosexuality, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm sure there's something to it. You know how how they try to inter intertwine a, a certain agenda with mm. success and lifestyle. Uh, it seems mm -hmm. like, um, especially you know in film. But um, Six Smith then tips off uh, the journalist Louisa Ray to a conspiracy to create a catastrophe at a nuclear reactor. Um, and this this reactor is run by a gentleman who secretly promotes oil energy interests. And, and that's incredibly familiar. Right. Um, I mean, we see what happened at Chernobyl. A lot of people don't think or feel that that thing went the way that it was stated. Same thing with um, the one in Fukushima in Japan. Um, you know, I don't know that there's been too much independent research done into the, like the, you know, the radiation levels and all of this crazy stuff that goes along with these these catastrophes, right? And you know, at the end of the day, these catastrophes at these nuclear clean energy plants basically um, do promote oil energy as interests. So, you know, that part's there in this movie. Um, and essentially, the the guy who speaks out on this conspiracy ends up getting killed uh, before he can give her a report. Um, but he uh let's see he sticks to the report in a locker right uh, outside of of his home sticks it in a locker or his mailbox or something to mail it and then uh let's see and so she walks in just after he's shot in the head basically and finds him dead there and um so she takes his book, right? Where yeah, yeah. She book. she does find the book, and um. Oh no, she she he mailed it to a friend of his, and then his friend ends up giving it. She ends up getting it. The, anyway, <laughs> I guess is the gist of it. Um, she ends up getting it, and uh. What's interesting is is the the guy that ends up getting it to her also ends up getting killed. He gets his plane blown up. Um, and then they run the, the Louis array, they run her car off of a bridge, oh, yeah. um, destroying the report. So, um, I mean, man, this, this whole story on this whole person kind of speaks to whistleblowers for sure. Uh, this is why people don't like to come out with information they may have on these power structures, uh, especially when you go and see a movie that, that comes out and shows what the end result is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that so, happens in almost all the movies. The person who's trying to speak the truth is always either killed or threatened to be killed, but they're always right at the end. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, that's another another setup for for mind control. If you can convince the masses, um, you know, that even if there is something going on and even if there is, you know, foul play, uh, that you better not say anything about it. Or we will run your car off a bridge without okay. you don't have to tell people that if you show them it in a movie. Yeah. 
That's also bliminal. The mind is making these calculations up without you even knowing it. The subconscious mind is way smarter than the conscious mind. It's making calculations and thinking about the past events, how to fight back against the enemy, things that are like in the background that you're not even thinking about. Exactly. And it, and it all uh, ties into that next action that you take, um, you know, that next step forward or, or in whichever direction. Um, I mean, the odds are that most of us in our lifetime will run into a situation that morally doesn't like vibe with us. Mm -hmm. And most of us will, in fact, due to the subliminal programming that we've had instilled, not take any action whatsoever against it, even if there's no fear of retribution. Right. It's you know, subliminal. It's, it's, you're not even thinking about it. It's having it at a deeper level. Exactly. So you're just going to automatically decide. And, and again, when you make these decisions subconsciously, and we all do it throughout the day, all the time, you make a decision subconsciously. And before you can even consciously make that decision, it's already done before it even gets essentially run by you. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's your background programming. And that's and why they yeah, call have to, yeah, notice you have to notice that the algorithms that they're creating are picking up on this without you even realizing. So they're already essentially have digital versions of you that they know how to manipulating, they know how to manipulate you and how to get you to do certain things without you even knowing. Exactly, exactly. And you know, for a long time I was like, Oh, you know, I'm not gonna go on Instagram, I'm not gonna go on all these things, I don't want to give these people this data, blah blah blah. Um, but then you start realizing that they're collecting data and have been for so long, most of my lifetime, even back into the 80s, they were collecting data on people, surveys, things like this uh, may have been a more analog format. But, you know, these were things like my grandparents used to participate in surveys and all this kind of stuff all the time. So, you know, there's a backlog of family behavior for me anyway. <laughs> um, I kind of I guess I just decided that, you know, that digital copy of me. Uh, doesn't matter in my in my own mind so i just kind of try to dismiss it now um you know there's a lot of people out there that for example won't use zoom because it's like oh what's going into a database and blah 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 but after a while you realize this network is a giant database <laughs> you know what i mean like the way that we communicate with each other and entertain ourselves um it's so well bound into our social structure that there is essentially no escape mm -hmm. um it's it's learning how to retrain your thought process, uh, you know, in an effort to not just deprogram yourself from all this stuff, but to notice the patterns, right. And, and to kind of say something about it to yourself. Um, unfortunately, it's very difficult to get through to people that are completely programmed and have had no awakening experience. It's very difficult. Um, and, uh, it's just suggestive uh, that these people are programmed, you know, just as I was. Um, so let me ask you this, because we, um, whenever I get talking with people and yeah, it's sort of fear and doom and gloom. But what, are, what have you discovered in your personal life that is the most powerful way to, to help others wake up? Um, you know, I, I think that it's, it's just um, you get a lot of conspiracy theorists that are a, a lot of doom and gloom a lot of the negative stuff. Um, and I was that way for a long time, uh, you know, was kind of blackpilled for lack of a better phrase, right? Like, oh, well, what can I do about all this? Um, and then I would say 
find an intuitive way to develop your own energy, right? Give yourself some time. Um, and if, if I can influence anybody else to, to treat themselves better, um, you know, I, I think that that's been probably the best way is to show others outwardly me treating myself better, mm-hmm. me approaching the world uh, from a, a different kind of uh, less pessimistic point of view. And, you know, a lot of it is kind of fake it till you make it. Um, I mean, they kind of also teach that in recovery. So they, they teach a lot of really great uh, personal skills in recovery that you should use anyway, even if you're not an addict of any type. We are all uh, unfortunately addicted to the system that we live in. It's just how it is. Um, so I, I would say just uh, what I feel that, that I'm, I'm actually able to convey to the world kind of thing um, is just the consistency in perseverance. Um, a lot of people will start looking into things, find answers they don't like, um, or that doesn't fit with their, their set of information and throw it out. Um, I'm quite the opposite. I kind of am looking at all information going instead of going, that's right, or that's wrong. Kind of, how does that apply? Um, what's really trying to be said here, uh, you know, because uh, through these control systems, they also seem to be adhering to some form of natural law or karmic law, where they have to extend these, these pieces of information, um, not only about what has happened in the past, but what they intend to do in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so just kind of noticing these patterns, um, I think the biggest thing that that I've recommended to some people and some people have, uh, you know, been into and, and taken a hold of is drink clean water. Um, and, and all these things sound so simple, right? Like they sound like you shouldn't have to express yeah. something like this to somebody before trying to get through to them. But if I can speak with somebody two weeks after they start drinking only distilled water and stop drinking pop and stuff, most likely I will get through to that person. Right. And, and it's not a coincidence and it's not about the sugar it's about, you know, the aspartame, it's about the fluoride, it's about all of these different things um, that are in everything, absolutely everything, titanium dioxide, like what is your, you really think your body needs yellow number five and titanium dioxide in your donuts, right. you know, like these things are all there for that specific reason to disconnect you from like, not just your own energy, but your own cognition, yeah. you know, you're not going to be able to see patterns and things if you're, you're drinking fluoridated water every day and you know, I'd hate to break it to people, but you go out and get a bottle of spring water and that shit has fluoride in it too. Uh, you know, hey, they re-add re- it to it. The The only way you're going to get around that essentially is filtering your own, distilling your own, or buying distilled water is probably as close to free of everything as you're going to get. I wanted to ask you, brother, because I saw one of your posts, you had a hydrogen water maker. Please tell me what that is and what it does. Well, it it's a, an electrolysis. I, I actually got it right here. It's it it's an electrolysis uh, machine that essentially kind of breaks the molecules of the water, releasing hydrogen, okay. and it also releases a small amount of oxygen. And um, in doing that, it frees it up so that your body can absorb the the hydrogen molecules. And it's an antioxidant um, combined with a couple of other things I'm doing. I've been able to cut inflam- inflammation down like almost all the way. And I'm working with my hands and stuff every day. Um, sometimes, you know, 12 hour shifts. And I, so I can't really, I don't really want to afford to be sick or in pain. 
Um, and I definitely don't want to lean on pharma pharmaceuticals, uh, pharmacopoeia, you know, for these things. Like I have, you know, my entire life, I broke my back uh, in three places about 10 years ago. Really? And so it was a struggle with pain, uh, you know, from that time on. Um, so now I use a few different things. I use Moringa and some Kratom, some CBD and hydrogen water. And it seems to all, all around work very well. Um, I don't have any inflammation in my, my hands don't go numb anymore. Like they used to, I don't know what just fell, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so it's awesome, dude. And, you know, I couldn't tell you to be quite honest, if it's all psychosomatic or not, um, it may very well be. And, you know, I'll be the first person to put that out there, but once you make a conscious decision to do these things for yourself, I think that has a big impact also, oh, yeah. you know, I'm sure you are feeling some type of difference. I'm looking them up. They're not that expensive. Maybe the one you have is really good, but I'm That's about a hundred bucks good. is what I spent. Yeah. Oh, just like us, especially about my hands and my feet hurting. Yeah. Um, my hands used to swell up all the time, like all the time. Cause I'm constantly wearing gloves at work, grabbing things, you know, I'm sure anybody that's using their hands all day can relate to getting home at the end of the day and your fingertips going numb, you know, mm -hmm. from the swelling. So I haven't had any of that at all since, since I started uh, doing that, the Moringa, um, some Kratom and, uh, but I also take a couple of other supplements, some, some extra protein, some superfoods like fruits and vegetables powder. You know, just to even even if I'm going to eat a slice of pizza or three, <laughs> you know, or all of these other things, I still try to provide the nutrients my body needs to repair itself. You have to. You and have to. and that's where a lot of people, you know, are going wrong. They're like, OK, well, I need to cut everything out of my diet. Like, no, not necessarily start by supplementing yourself first. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know. Start with that salad a day. Supplement, you're, you're already losing because your body is deficient in lots of things. The, yeah. the food's already depleted from nutrients, but if you're not actively putting iodine or zinc in your body, you're not getting it any other way. Exactly. And see, these are none of the things that you will hear going to the doctor. Um, you know, that's that's definitely why that piece of the story here stood out to me so hard. I was like, this is this is what a doctor is. They're looking at your key to your safe on your chest and they can't get to your, you know, they can't get to your goods until you're dead. And then wouldn't you know, the bank owns all your shit, right? Because you took out a mortgage and blah, blah, blah. So, so it, it really is the medical industry stealing away your livelihood from you. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, going on, uh, let's see here. All right. So we did her, uh, so in, in 2012, uh, in London, 2012, Dermot Hoggins, he's a gangster, murders a critic after a harsh review of his memoir, uh, generating huge sales. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he throws him off of a, a top of a building. <laughs> and uh, Hoggins' brothers threaten the publisher, the aging Timothy Cavendish, uh, for Hoggins' profits. Timothy's brother, Dunholm, uh, tells him to hide from these gangsters at a place called the Aurora house. Timothy mistakenly believes this is a hotel and that his brother is bailing him out of the situation. So on the way, Timothy reads a manuscript based on the reporter's story. Uh, he believes again, that Aurora house is a hotel. He signs papers, thereby committing himself and discovers it to be a nursing home. They, they kindly call it a nursing home here. Mm -hmm. I call it an asylum. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, They have security and all of that stuff. And they're keeping these people in there where all outside contact is prohibited. 
Um, Denholm reveals that he sent Timothy there as revenge for an affair with his wife. So uh, <laughs> uh, he then escapes with three other residents, resumes his relationship with an old flame and writes a screenplay about his experience. Um, so this one's like interesting. Uh, I'm kind of an old world buff. So I started thinking about uh, asylums and some of the personal relationships that may have led to people winding up in these asylums in the late 1800s and early 1900s. Hundreds. Um, so that just kind of spoke to me about that story. Uh, I think it's it's kind of right of his brother to <laughs> to stick it to his brother for sleeping with his wife, I suppose. Right. Yeah. So so um, I mean, and, and this story is kind of touting revenge as as a valid solution, essentially. You know, it's like it's OK, even if it's your own brother, it's cool, you know. Um, <laughs> send him to an asylum yeah. and people do this to their loved ones all the time and stuff like this. And if, if you see a movie that tells you something like this, that it's okay, or it's even comedic, mm-hmm. um, you know, then your subconscious is going to run with that. Right. It, Splitting it's up the family. Like I, I like how in other cultures, it seems like in America, they don't as much, but all the cultures you have the grandparents around living around. Exactly. Well, yeah. And they also pass on their wisdom, their mm-hmm. tales, you know, yeah. I think a big, big part of it is they don't they don't want the current generations relating to the older time periods. You know, they just don't want this. This is the kind of the reasoning behind why so many wars are necessary to create this mass trauma that that that, that's all that's in the collective memory of people. You know, so you're not able to look at, okay, how did this transfer of power, this transition happen? Mm-hmm. you know, over the last four or 500 years, because there's definitely been some form of a transition of power happening. Um, because when you look back further than that, you see all these crazy immaculate old world buildings, these, you know, aqueducts and all these massive, uh, interesting systems, right. Uh, that were put in place, obviously not by the current power system. We're told a lot about Rome, um, you know, but that only kind of ties into Italy, but these things are everywhere all over the planet. So, yeah. or the plane or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, that, but, uh, that subject's fascinating. Tartaria and all that. Much oh, more. absolutely. And, and it's just, the more you look into all of it, the more you realize that everything that we've been handed is is bogus. But then you see things in fictions that can maybe make a little bit of sense if you applied, say, like a very specific story. Like, for example... Um, this one later on in this story, when it gets to the kind of um, post-apocalyptic Hawaii kind of part here. Uh, so uh, anyway, yeah, uh, moving on. This is probably my favorite part uh, in this movie is it's the year 2144 and Sonmi 451 is a fabricant. She's a human clone indentured as a fast food server and implied sex worker in dystopian neo Seoul, so in Korea, um, yeah. she she's exposed to the ideas of rebellion by another fabricant, Yuna nine three nine. She's like Morpheus. It, yeah, yeah. Yuna's like the Morpheus person. Um, and in a second, I'll I'll go into. Have you ever looked into like angel numbers when you see a three digit number? Oh they, yeah, but I don't know them. if I believe in that. I don't, uh, I don't either. But it's very interesting. The, the couple that I've pulled up with these two particular things and i'll put them out there just so listeners can kind of think on it um i mean you can find anything you want i just kind of went with the first ones that popped up to kind of see what the significance of these numbers 
definitely the the number 451 sanmi 451 very reminiscent of fahrenheit 451 yeah. um the book burning the control structure all of that um so it could be a, a kind of a shout out to that um so she Yuna 939 obtained a clip of the movie about Cavendish's involuntarily involuntary institutionalization. So uh, in the future, a movie has been made and it's like, it's like a four TV movie on this, this guy, um, you know, getting locked up by his brother and accidentally signing his own admission papers. And so he takes it to court and there's just a clip of, I, I can't remember uh, yeah, I will not be. I will not be wrongly imprisoned. I will not subject be subject to criminal offense or something like that. That's a criminal abuse. Is that? Yeah, yeah, criminal. There, abuse. Yeah, that was the phrase. Right on, dude. Awesome. <laughs> so that was the phrase that that then starts this uh, humanoid clone indentured servant revolution. Basically, yeah. is is what happens because um, after Yuna is killed, Sanmi is rescued by rebel commander. Hey Ju Chang, who exposes Sonmi to the band writings of Alexander Solzenstein. Uh, he's a Russian novelist and uh, he raised global war- awareness of political repression in the Soviet Union. Um, so it's kind of like, um, yeah, anarchy. <laughs> you know, it's kind of you know his his thing is like uh, showing people what's going wrong. Um, they're thereby promoting revolution, kind of thing. And the the full film version of Cavendish's experience. Um, Heiju eventually introduces her to the leader of the rebel movement and shows her that clones, when freed, are actually recycled into, quote unquote, soap, which is another name for food for fabricants. So they are feeding these people to themselves, Mm -hmm. these programmed life forms, these clones um you know and these are these are slave clones and you know I, I maybe it's going out on a limb for some people here today uh but we are all to some degree a type of programmed life form they have been very successful in manipulating our brain state to where we are led to believe certain things from a very young age much like these indentured clone servants in this movie mm-hmm. um you know they raise them uh, giving them only propaganda, only knowing about the restaurant, and that's it. They can't um, leave. It's and it's crazy, and and they feed them this solution that they call soap, which is interesting. Uh, and it's it's just recycled fabricant they keep feeding to themselves, and that's all that these people eat. They don't get to eat the food from the restaurant, or uh, or even interact with the customers in any way uh, other than to do exactly what they're told. That's that's kind of why it says implied sex worker um, in one of the in one of the film or in one of the scenes, uh, a customer, you know, slaps one of them on the ass and, and like goes a little further than that. So that's kind of implying that that's OK. And, uh, you know, in in Neo sale and maybe it will be OK. We will find out, I suppose. But um, she makes a public broadcast of her revelations before the authorities attack her. Um, and uh, that sparks a revolution basically. Yeah. So, um, they capture her. She recounts her story to an archivist, which is an incredibly interesting kind of way this played out. It's like another programmed kind of entity or life form, or you know, uh, a bureaucrat, really, a bureaucratic like person. A judge. 
kind of like a right or a scribe and they they write it he's he's and he stores all of this information in this crystal egg and and it's just it's pretty wild like some of the visuals in this movie are nuts um a lot of people were kind of upset with this movie for portraying him as an asian even though he's a white guy um they got mad for quote-unquote yellow facing him (laughs) so you know i thought that was funny too i'm like oh seriously like that's what they're out of all the stuff in this movie that's what they lean on they don't lean on feeding people to people at all but they're like okay (laughs) we're gonna get mad at him for being yellow face let me point out this scene because i actually posted uh, a part of this scene because when they're they capture her right and they're interviewing her by what what seems like this judge this guy um he's asking her he's about to start the interrogation process and here's a couple of screenshots i took he tells her remember this is not an interrogation or a trial your version of the truth is all that matters and then this is where sanji she replies truth is singular its versions are mistruths and like that scene it's things like that that stick with me in movies that when you really pay attention to them they can really help you wake others up and like that she's telling the truth there's only one truth truth is objective it doesn't require people to participate truth will exist regardless it uh, lies is what it requires people to to keep propagating them but the truth will always remain and and when people try to repeat a truth they kind of maybe twist it or lie and, and that's how things start getting corrupted oh for sure and and i i think we're in a, a position in history where uh sensory overload and information overload is a real thing um people often wonder why why if you know if these powers and control didn't want us to know certain things why would all of the information be out there on the internet and it, it kind of goes with that karmic balance thing if they bury the legitimate truth within so many different layers and um I heard it put as well as it Neil Armstrong said something like um, the, the one what you have to to get through truth's protective layers, basically mm-hmm. to get through the truth. And, and that's kind of what they've done is they've enshrouded truth with these films, these right. movies, these fictions, um, and a lot of what is conveyed as fact, you know, is is often, you know, a nugget of truth buried within yeah. all kinds of ridiculous crap. Um, that being said, in this Sonmi 451 story, um, so just going on to the number here real quick, 451 in, in angel number means keep praying. <laughs> so starting of a new life, um, which was interesting because uh, she winds up, you know, uh, learning the truth and, and kind of starting a new life, right? So I found that pretty interesting. Uh, and then the whistleblower that gave her the information uh, had a number 939. Um, and it, uh, let's see here. Where do we go? The note, well, where did it go? Yeah, I'm, I'm dropping the ball here. Um, but supposedly so, so, they have all these numbers and they all have a meaning. Yeah, it, basically three digit numbers sometimes are called angel numbers. Um, if you start seeing, you know, numbers uh, all the time, um, maybe it's a message from a guardian angel or uh, something to that effect or an altered an altered dimensional being kind of thing. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's it gets pretty weird when you start talking spirituality and what exactly that all is. 
Uh, everybody has a different kind of idea. I think it's a very personal truth, you know, yeah. um, the spiritual side of things, the mind's eye and stuff like that. Um, our language has been manipulated to where you cannot legitimately convey any of that information to others. Right. Right. So that's kind of hard. Um, so a 939 symbolizes closures and endings occur occurring soon in life. Um, also symbolizes light workers, light working, spirituality, and spiritual wow. evolving. So wow. I find that interesting because this is the the lady that um, she's the one, the the one that yeah, so the one that conveyed this and and is giving these people an opportunity for this new awakening. This yeah, she's like the Neil. So so it's very interesting that these numbers are in there. Um, most people probably wouldn't read into them too much. Oh, those are just clone numbers, but there's a reason if if you're familiar with scripts and screenplays and and just fiction in general, it has a lot contained between the lines. And um, so in those numbers, that was just the first thing I found there, too. Um, so, yeah, that and then the soap. OK, so going back to the, the soap here. Uh, let me see. Hopefully I can find this relatively quickly. Bio sledge. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, okay. So um, I thought this was interesting. And this is one of my first posts on Instagram was about human composting being legalized in Washington state. Um, now this is as of mm, 2020. Um, let me see if I can find the exact May 1st, 2020 bill five zero zero one took effect allowing for human corpses to undergo a process known as liquid cremation, uh, whereby alkaline hydrolysis is used to turn rotting flesh and bones into an, quote, organic fertilizer, unquote, sludge. Mm. <laughs> so, so this is already going on, guys. Um, and it's more than likely in more places than just Washington State. I would imagine that this is taking place uh, behind the scenes in certain monocrop farms and things of this nature. Um, I was talking to Juan a little bit earlier about some of the things going on with fast food. And I've seen quite a few posts that you've had on, on some of that stuff. And um, do you want to tell the listeners what some of the things that, that they're finding in, in this fast food are these different. Well, like I said, this is stuff I've researched. I can confirm because I'm not there. I'm not doing. Yeah, anything. right. No, or, or what has been alleged. We'll just say alleged. Yeah, what I've heard is that they're putting humans in. They're getting rid of people. I don't know if it's abortion people or dead people or the people that they use to do tests on the people that are on deep underground military bases. But they're grabbing people and they're putting them in the food and that that's where people are consuming. And, and whenever I heard that, I don't know if it's true or not, but I use that as motivation to stop eating fast food. I haven't <laughs> eaten McDonald's in like two years. So I, every time I feel like I'm getting that craving, I'm like, there's people in there. I'm like, okay. Now right. And you know, at a minimum, if there's not directly people in there, this, this is the, these are the companies that are going to buy this bio sludge up for pennies on the dollar. Right. And right. spread this all over their potato crops. Right. Mm -hmm. And, all over their their wheat for the bread right because you know how many thousands and and millions of pounds of uh, sponge dough you know they use at mcdonald's every single day that wheat comes from somewhere so all of these things come from somewhere and if it's okay and now washington state's very close to idaho and washington idaho oregon are where these potatoes sometimes canada uh come from for these fast food joints right so so they're using at a minimum even if it's not directly people meat products uh they're using this in growing everything 
Right. Um, and you know, if you know anything about the way that that plants take up nutrition, they don't just take up the specific nitrates and things that they need. They often draw up a lot of other things, heavy metals, oh, yeah. um, you know, among other things. And if if you have some form of a bio sludge, I would imagine they would be drawing up some really harmful things. Um, you know, it's just unethical too. It's just the, the, the fact of that. It's unethical. It's oh yeah, and it's crazy that this this passed. You know what I mean? Um, signed into law. You know law. what else? You know what failed to pass in California? Strict stricter laws and stricter um, penalties for child molesters. That failed to pass. Oh, yeah, and that's that's mind blowing. So think about the things that are passing here. Um, and if you don't think by now, if you don't think that the lobbyists are running this country and and things. You know, you got to take a look. And this is, we're talking about people here, right? Once upon a time, people used to become very offended if somebody they didn't know didn't get proper funerary rites and things. You know, at least that's what we're told is people actually gave a crap at one point. I don't know. Honestly, looking at the world the way it is, I don't know if we could just rewind to a point and get to a point where, you know, uh, humanity was was all, uh, you know, cake and cherries I, I just don't think that that was a real thing but <laughs> so so yeah that's uh and they called it soap in this in this movie and what's crazy about that is if you remember fight club where yeah. they're making the soap out of out of human fat and and selling it to people <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so so i mean there's this kind of weird tie yeah like in, into this whole concept of reusing people you know um so, I mean, this is one when I first saw this movie back in probably like 2015, this is one that stood out to me or 2016 or something was this whole scenario where they're and, and at the end of this story, the guy takes her to this. It's like a massive ship yeah. where, where these people are going to be freed. Right. They think they're going to go. It's much like the island. <laughs> they think you know, it's ascension. They think they're ascending and becoming free. Yep. And, and all they do is they, they sit down in this chair and they tell them, we're going to take off your neck band, which is like an explosive death neck band. Mm-hmm. So, so, and they, the, they take it off and then they shoot them in the back of the head with a, you know, a piston gun, the same mm-hmm. as how they kill cattle and turn them into food for, for others. So uh, it's, it's crazy. And oddly enough, some of these like futuristic kind of things to me, um, and I know it's kind of a crazy stance. I, I look at this and say, uh, what if, you know, in a, in a different time cycle or in the past, because for me, I, I do feel that time works in loops, kind of cycles. Um, there's suggestions in, in Vedic texts about the yugas and these ages, you know, epochs, things like this. So this may very well have been a situation that was once upon a time. And when you start looking at time in another weird way, I get off on time sometimes in a, in a weird kind of direction, but um, time actually is an illusion. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so, you know, um, what we look at as the past could actually be the future and vice versa. But um, when you look at this scenario of feeding people to people, um, this may have happened in the past, but I'll tell you right now, it's definitely happening now. It's the yep. beginnings of it are happening right now. And if it's okay to use composted dead people, at what point will it be okay for somebody to go and sell their freaking right leg, you know, to, to a cannibal? <laughs> well, I don't know if you saw, I just posted something with Sandra Bullock just admitted that she has this special cream that she, she gets that is made from uh, foreskin of baby babies. 
and that that's what she used to look so young. Yeah. And the crazy thing about that, I saw that post is the way that they do these facials is they actually with tiny, tiny needles inject the cells from that baby foreskin into the face. And yeah, it's wild, dude. Very crazy stuff. And I mean, honestly, people, what more do you need to see, to, to feel or think that these people are dark arts as can be? I mean, they're using, you know, baby skin to liven themselves up. There's um, information out there about the blood of younger people being cycled into these older people to give them longevity. Um, Now it's not just the blood, it's the plasma, it's the stem cells. So I, I would imagine that a lot of this tissue that they're using for these procedures would come at some cost from the donor. I would imagine. Yeah. right um possibly up to and including death so yeah, sure. so where yeah. do these people come from what's really going on um and that definitely begs the rabbit hole of like deep underground military bases sex slavery and so on there's unfortunately for humanity there's a lot there that needs to be investigated and kind of brought to light i don't know that it ever will um but you know we can we can definitely hope and pray uh, for that for sure <laughs> yeah I hope so. It will. The truth will always comes to the, to light. Always. Yeah, it it definitely is uh, is interesting the the volume of truth that I feel in my heart that I have compared to uh, just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, even even if more and more little pieces of truth keep coming up, that then I have to kind of discern and decipher. Um, you know, that's that's cool and everything. It's it's worth a go, right? To to try to pick it apart. Um, so then that that other that other angel number in there was 909 uh, and it represents optimism selflessness and open mindedness towards change so um whether that's kind of like you know a low key jab at like you better be open minded as we feed you each other <laughs> you know or not i don't know um but that's definitely very interesting so we're getting close to uh closer to the end here i think we're in the last little piece of the story here so it's in 2321 the tribes people of post-apocalyptic hawaii worship sanmi the the clone you know from from earlier their sacred text is taken from her recorded testimony zachary bailey's village is visited visited by marinim a member of an advanced society called the prescience so these prescience are, are dressed in all white um futuristic kind of jumpsuit thing she's wearing right um star wars kind of stuff yeah you know just tight fitting kind of how we see gray aliens portrayed as as wearing type of things um kind of that same skin tight you know the (laughs) the way the world's actually going right now it's probably not too far off for everybody to be wearing generic skin tight stuff relatively soon um but these prescients use nuclear powered ships and remnants of high technology but they are dying from a plague. So what's crazy about that is when we hear about these uh, alien species, like some of the tall whites and um, even the grays, as well as like the Pleiadians and, and all of them, some of them suggest that they are, are in need of this biological replenishment, you know, and this is like why people get abducted or, 
you know, why babies yeah. are taken or so all kinds of weird, crazy stuff, or they're just dying from some kind of plague and they need our genetics to help them. So I found that kind of odd. Um, but Marinem is searching about a forgotten communication station on Mana Soul to def- to send an SOS to off-world humans. Um, and so she's like, all right, her, her uh, ship apparently won't make it wherever she's supposed to be going, which apparently is off-world. Um, if you're flat earther out there, this would just be... Uh, more propaganda terra nova or something right like you know the the outer space um so you take it however you'd like <laughs> so um so off world um which you know if if you're sending something a significant distance you're going to need a different type of antenna than a short wave that might be available on your ship so that's basically the gist of it but in, in exchange for healing zachary's niece cat kim marinim is guided by zachary to the station where Sanmi made her recording. And it's it's crazy that this is the station where she made a recording and it's in Hawaii, but like before that it was somewhere else. So like there's a complete flip of location here, which is mm-hmm. kind of strange. And um I don't know, it kind of ties into like the, the disappearance of Atlantis below the ocean, all kinds of mm-hmm. interesting things that maybe you can take away from this location kind of shift. Um, but returning home, Zachary finds his tribe slaughtered by the cannibalistic Kona tribe. Uh, he kills the sleeping Kona chief and rescues Katkin before he and Marinim fight off the other tribesmen. Um, so Zachary and Katkin join Marinim and the Prescience as their ship leaves Big Island uh, on a distant planet. And um, Zachary is married to Marinim and recounts the story to his grandchildren. Um, when they go to this other planet or place, um, the interesting thing that I that I picked up and noticed was the sky wasn't bright. There were multiple different like lights in the sky, none of them very being very bright. It was kind of like a weird twilight situation happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of like on the, the flat earth kind of thing. If you look at some of these newer maps that have come out, they could be, you know, propaganda. They could be, you know illusion or whatever but it's fun to to kind of hypothesize about these outer lands you know outside of the ice wall in antarctica if you had different kind of suns out there if they were the suns that we see as the the planets where we are it seems that it would take much longer for them to go around in a complete circle oh yeah that's interesting and and then also uh you know if there's more than one in the sky um, maybe they have a dimmer light because they, mm-hmm. they definitely don't seem to be quite as bright. Um, but they could just be further away than our sun, which is why they look like just basic stars. So who knows, man? Uh, honestly, like I can't begin to dig too heavily into the, the whole flat versus round. I definitely know it's not. Uh, um, I know that I can see too far when I go to certain places like uh, outside of or across the, the lake from Chicago and things. So it's like you shouldn't be able to see. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm on the, the skyline from there. You know, like I, I, I was, I'm on the fence with that. I, I'm, for the longest, I believed in the round earth, but one night I ate mushrooms and I saw that documentary leveled. And yeah. it blew my mind. Yeah, see that part doesn't make sense. Um, now it's either a much larger sphere than we're being told, you know, and there's just not that gradient, you know, that that 23.3 degree tilt and. Yeah, all those other, you know, <laughs> demonic number combinations. 
I'll, I'll, I'll have a, a flat earth Dave on here in a couple of weeks and I'll have him break down all of that math for everybody. Yeah. All that shit's fascinating, <laughs> but it's, you know, if anything, I definitely know that what we've been shown and told is not literally is nothing close to the whole story. Um, I think we've been given some pieces, you know, um, just enough to kind of satisfy our hunger for, for truth for a very short period of time if you actually dig into it, but for other people that are just still sitting being programmed every day, you know, it takes much longer to get through that because you just refer to like, if you want to know something more, you get a national geographic, but that's part of the system. Yeah. You want to know something more, you grab an encyclopedia, but that's also part, you know, you actually have to start looking for your own information and kind mm-hmm. of make your own assumptions and not be afraid to be wrong. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, so this movie, dude, I'm I'm so stoked that I was able to to get you to kind of uh, key into this uh, this film. It's there's so much to it, and there's man, there's so much more to these stories. That was probably the briefest kind of uh, oh, yeah. rundown ever. Um, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of different um, different uh, types of like kind of how do you want to call them themes. Lots mm-hmm. of different themes in this film. Um, and, and yeah, I haven't even barely begun to, to scratch the surface, but I definitely wanted to grab you uh, and get you in here and get chatting about it and, and kind of uh, find common ground on knowing that that the system is is just built on lies. I mean, the name Hollywood, uh, for example, you know, it's that the means the, the holy tree or or holly, the you know, the the wood that they would make uh, wands out of these magicians and these warlocks and um and and i mean then you see like suggestions in in disney a lot in disney of wizards um, a lot in pop culture wizards and witches um sometimes it's portrayed as a negative thing but more often than not it's not have you seen the new latest disney is straight up luciferian doctrine bro no, and, I, have, and, and I haven't. Which one is Egyptian that? mythology. It's all about death and the. What, uh, what's it called? Uh, fuck, I don't even know. It's just a new one. It's about the moon. He turns into a moon guy, but it's about alter personalities, alter egos, portals and mirrors, and all that stuff. It's, oh wow! So they're, they're starting to get into it. the. They're starting to get into the whole time dilation and all the yeah. weird stuff. And well, see, me, I, me, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. Uh, to the things they put across, like in Moana, that that and that um uh elemental kind of laying down and turning into an island yeah you know yeah oh they call it the earth verona i guess was what they called it in in moana and there's an oddly enough there's an island in polynesia that looks just like that (laughs) so it's it's crazy um but like uh you know i'll probably spend the rest of my life trying to figure out what the pieces of truth and all of this stuff is, but it sure is a lot more entertaining than taking it for what it's It's worth, you know? (laughs) Let let me just point out this throughout all these, because this movie that we're talking about, it has six movies in one. And what I noticed in all of them, there was always the threat of the oppressed versus the oppressor. But in the end, the truth always sets them free. And that's kind of one overall theme that you can take from this movie is that the truth always chase and pursue the truth because in the Bible, that's where it comes from. Jesus says the truth will set you free. For sure. For sure. I'm, I'm with you on that. And you know, it, it takes, it takes being open uh, to possibility to even let the truth in. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, we're all kind of conditioned to not be open to possibility at all um, to, 
And, and, you know, I think some of it does come from like that patent we were talking about and the manipulation of the brainwaves. But then I think a lot of it also is almost as if these people, the uh, our control structure now, it's almost as if they have the handbook <laughs> to a certain yeah. extent on how to manipulate, um, you know, the human psyche. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, so, to, me, to me, Lucifer is like he, he's a he's a literal God. He's intelligent, super smart. He's been here since the beginning. He's he's I'm sure he's gotten humans and figured out how to manipulate the mind. He's studied people. He's been everywhere. He's had so many experiences to figure out how to play the human like an instrument. Now, do you think that that uh, Lucifer and and AI kind of have a, a tie? I personally, I do. I, I see oh, yeah. kind of I see kind of AI as the counter uh, or as the antagonist to to uh, divinity and to consciousness itself. Um, and I think that that might kind of tie. I, I don't know. It just seems that this Luciferian kind of control structure, it's obviously Luciferian. I don't know how you can look at Hollywood and how you can look at uh, film and politics and all of this without seeing that. I really don't know how people stare at this stuff all day, every day and go nothing to see here. Right. You know what I mean? Um, especially when and it may have been a rumor or whatever, but when you have people like Tom Hanks on house arrest, Ellen DeGeneres wearing ankle bracelet, blah, blah, blah. So all this stuff going on. Um and and then people don't want to believe that there's really something weird happening in Hollywood with child trafficking, these innuendos and, and po directions pointing to um, hot sauce being adrenochrome and, you know, a pizza being pedophilia and all of this other stuff. Uh, I mean, if you believe that people, gang members are out on the street shooting each other in cold blood, why is it so hard to believe that this is going on? it's definitely going on it's just people blind now it's people just look away because it's so obvious i don't know how they don't see it yeah it's it's definitely probably a more of a i mean it's a much more comfortable situation to not pay attention to it it really Actually, is because and, i miss watching movies and just looking at it as a movie but now i'm just <laughs> right. breaking it down taking notes you know looking at everything pausing it rewinding it i can't just enjoy it as, as a yeah movie. It, it makes it kind of rough man but you know it makes it worth it when we can get together and, and kind of give somebody something to to listen to while they're doing their nine to five grind you know Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that's how it all started for me getting into this. I would just listen to podcasts while I was at work. And eventually I was like, I need to have these conversations. And Thanks. if I can reach one person, you know what I mean? Then I've, I've done something at least, at least it's better than just going and being all black pilled and going on. There's nothing I can do about any of this. Right, right. Yeah. You know? I mean, I was stuck. I mean, for the, for the longest also, I was the same. I, I knew all this stuff. I knew a lot of knowledge. I knew all of esoteric stuff, but I wasn't sharing it with anybody. And it was like, what good does it do that? I fill my head with all this stuff. And I'm not doing anything. And like, right before COVID started, I was like, you know what? I have to do something. The world, it seems like it's not getting any better. And then as COVID happens, I'm like, okay, I have to do this now. And and, and it's, it's magic. It's, it's a beautiful path. Absolutely. And you know, we, we've got to cast our own uh, counter spells in a sense. And, and I do feel like that's a lot of what podcasting is. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of, uh, there has to be a balance. Otherwise, things go terribly wrong and they stay that way. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that we are seeing a, a little bit of a pivot of balance kind of power coming back to into people's lives. I, I know that everybody that I speak with that A has a podcast or B has like a YouTube. 
you know, they're empowering themselves again for like the first time in their lives. A lot of the time, you know, you're empowering yourself through your speech, um, through your, your theories and just putting that, that positive and kind of helpful and loving energy out there into the world. You know, um, most of the people that I've encountered through doing this are some of the most incredible people I've ever known. Not to say, you know, I've met and shook hands with these people, but you know, they're, they're very open-minded and open-hearted people. Um, if you have a question or anything that you need help with, uh, you can find somebody in that community that will help you out with that. Um, and you know, that wasn't the case in my day-to-day community prior to, um, you know, speaking about the truth. I, I was a seeker for a long time, um, you know, for a really long time, but it often left me just more frustrated and lonely than anything else. So I, I guess if I had one thing to say to, to people out there is, uh, you know, don't, I know it's very easy to kind of bottle yourself up in your own, you know, apartment or whatever, segregate yourself from everybody, especially with all the fear going on. But, you know, if you're listening to this, if you have an opportunity reach out to one of us, one of us random podcasters like like me, you know, random Randy, <laughs> you can reach out and, and dude, I, anybody that reaches out to me, I get back to them because I remember what it felt like to be feeling all alone with some of this truth sitting on my mind, you know, and uh, it doesn't have to be that way. So I, I guess that's probably the biggest thing I have to offer, uh, you know, the folks out there is, if you need a place to start, someone to reach out to, by all means, you know, reach out to me, get into this community um, so that you can find what your perspective has to offer, because we all have a different, different set of eyes, different set of ears, different yeah. brain between our heads and a different soul in our heart. So we all have a slightly different perspective on all of this craziness going on. You know, it, we share it to a certain extent, but we create it also, you know, so the more insight we can get, we can start changing the way we create and, you know, make this world a better place. And I want I want to tie these two quotes, uh, one of them being Mahatma Gandhi and the other being uh, my, I guess, my my moral or my, my motto. First, Mahatma Gandhi, he says, what you do in this world will be very insignificant, but it's very, very important that you do it. And like you said, start your podcast, do a little thing here or there. You don't know what your little ripple can create. And my motto is know yourself, improve yourself, find the others, and then you'll know what to do. And, and that's you kind of I asked you what's the best thing to do. And, and you kind of said it without I, I, I think maybe you didn't think about it really. But I like asking people in the moment because you gave the right answer. It's your testimony, how you live your life, how you show others, how you're like you're working on yourself and you're not just accepting authority. You question everything. That's how you wake others up. You can't just hit him on the head and say, Hey, look at this document here. You can't do that. Yeah. And it works for the control system, but they've had us since birth. Right. Um, you know, that, that pressure oppression works for them. Um, but if we're going to go about it and not be these people, not be these maniacs, we have to go about it differently and we have to do it with some compassion and, No and some self-respect, you know, self-respect, some dignity. Um, and, and most of all, and I, I'm kind of big on this because I'm still working on it, is forgive yourself, right? We're all doing the best we can with what we have and what we've been dealt. And every last one of us has been through some kind of hell. I guarantee you, you know, that's just how the world is anymore. Um, 
So, you know, for, be able to be open minded and open hearted enough to forgive yourself and actually attempt to move on past traumas, right? Maybe revisit them a little later when you have some, some tools in your toolbox, you know, or some people to lean on and things like this. Um, but I, I hope for, for everybody's sake out there that they're not just isolating, you know, and, and uh, neglecting to feed their souls in, in whatever way that means. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it. Okay, so I guess as we start to close, I want to end with a couple of things that I always like to end on solutions. So when I was younger, maybe about 10 years ago, I started watching a lot of YouTube videos and I was like, oh my God, these are it. This is the answer. So I started a playlist and uh, it's it's been about 10 years and I've gathered about 250 videos and I created a playlist and I have a QR code. It's on my Instagram. Go find me at truth.in dot media and um it's a qr code i post it often and if you scan it it'll take you to this playlist and it starts off with terence mckenna and he's he starts off with this idea of this new change there's need to be a new awakening in earth with people who really care about it and who are working together trying to make it a new a new reality and then it it, it dives into documentaries um videos a lot of interesting stuff that i'm, I'm telling you if you just scan this code and watch it you will start thinking your gears are going to start spinning and you're going to get angry. And that's good because that's the precursor to, to taking action. And um, so uh, scan that quote or print it out, put it on gas pumps, put it on grocery store carts, put it in the restroom stalls, you know, just get the word out because these videos, I, I don't want any credit. Y'all do it. It's just to help people wake up. The other one is my Instagram. I just gave it out. Truth in medium, go follow it. I'm posting daily truth on it, just trying to wake people up, trying to show them the truth that's in media that has the potential to wake others up. And lastly, my podcast is Bricks in the Wall. And I borrowed the idea from Pink Floyd. You know, uh, they used it to separate themselves from people. The, the, one of the band members hated the, the public because they were too rowdy in concerts. But mm-hmm. uh, I take it as the bricks in the wall are these bricks which is a wall of conspiracies and lies and things that have been put in front of you that keep you from the truth. So there's a wall in front of everybody. It's a metaphorical wall and you need to start breaking it down, break it down conspiracy by conspiracy, by little idea, by little hidden truth. You'll start looking and you'll see that behind the wall, there's something that, that it's beautiful and you crave and you really want, and you don't really understand what it is, but you, you you really want it your soul needs it so my podcast that's what it's about let's break those bricks and let's get past this wall and get to the truth absolutely man right on dude much love to you man i'm so glad to have gotten with you and and we'll definitely have to dig into some more stuff uh sometime in the near future um yeah. and just for for your audio i'm i'm random randy of red thread podcast you can find me on random at random fracks on instagram uh, just think fractals at the end i always have to put that in there but uh or you can shoot me an email at random fracks or random at gmail.com um if there's any questions you have any rabbit holes you'd like me to suggest by all means feel free and message me on either one of those um but yeah red thread podcast is where i'm at and uh man uh, once again that was an incredible evening i thank you so much for for getting with me and yeah. for all that you do my friend for sure 
Same, same, same. I, we're all, we're comrades. We're all in this together. I love this community. We're all, like you said, we're all helping each other. And that's one of the reasons I believe we're here on this universe is to serve one another. Like Jesus, Absolutely. He, he washed their partner's feet, even though he was above them. He, he, he went below them, like help, help one another up. And we're going to, we'll win in the end. We will win. Truth always wins. Absolutely. And that's, that's why the scramble, the mad dash for all of this, this power, all of this hate, all of this negative energy, right? Why it's nonstop, the news, the the TV shows, everything always in your face, because that's not the true nature of reality. That's not the true nature of who we are. It's only because they put it across so much, so often, nonstop, that it even creates and manifests itself into the reality we have today. The musicians, the actors, everything, they all know they're a part of this big machine and mechanism. That's why most of them are strung out and high and and drunk and on syrup and all this other stuff. You know, they're fi- they're finding it very difficult to live uh, with themselves. You know, <laughs> if you got to drink a bunch of lean every day, you're probably not feeling the best about yourself. You know, right. just saying. <laughs> but anyway, buddy, I appreciate you and everything, uh, and we'll get together again. You're doing it. You're doing it. And keep on doing what you're doing, please. And we want to meet up. We should do another movie. I- I've been looking into the Lego Movie. Have you seen that one? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, we'll have to do that. Um, there's <laughs> there's some interesting stuff in that, too. Yeah, it's just more programming, but it's fun to pick apart. And yeah. I know yeah. everybody out there appreciates these rundowns of of movies that they've seen. And, you know, there's there are people out there like Isaac Weishaupt who do strictly occult symbolism. And that's cool and everything. But sometimes it's what can you personally take away from this? Like, how mm-hmm. does it apply to situations like the whole feeding people to themselves thing, you know, um, that's, that's just, that's a step in the direction that we're heading everybody. And, you know, are, are you going to stand by and be okay with it? I'm just as guilty of not going to any town council meetings or any of that stuff as anybody else out there. Um, but maybe if some of us start and maybe not do it the way Alex Stein did, where you're making fun of everything, but actually go and provide your heartfelt kind of testimony as to why, some of these laws shouldn't be passed at least locally. Um, you know, it's something I'm de- definitely looking into into trying to get into is how can I at least make sure that I'm heard by the people that are making these changes, right? Um, it's kind of difficult, you know, with the the way the government is, but you know, any effort is better than no effort, and any effort is a service to your fellow man. So, you know, I, I definitely am all about that. Right on, right on. All, all right, buddy. Have a good night and we'll see you. And later, all the listeners out there, see you guys next time. Peace out, y'all. Bye. Okay, so that's going to conclude this episode of Red Thread Podcast. I want to thank you all for tuning in. And uh, if you made it this far past the episode, a little bonus for you. I've got last week's episode number 33 with Ari Asulin up on my Odyssey channel. Go check that out. Um, Finally getting some stuff up there. I'll be going through the old episodes soon and getting the video format uh, put up on Odyssey. And, uh, you know, maybe if I get enough people over there, I'll just uh, throw it on a YouTube where even more people can take a look at it. I'm not 100% on that. I don't really want to watch my language and all these other things that people tend to have to do on YouTube. There's tons of people already out there dealing with all that chaos and mess, and I just as soon leave it to them. But anyway, um, yeah, so that'll be coming soon. There's one up there now. Um, what else? All right. So go check out Juan at Bricks in the Wall podcast. He's doing some great work over there in the name of truth. I dig it. I'm all for it. 
And I hope that more people continue to join this uh, kind of movement of understanding. It's very inspiring and the world needs inspiration right now, um, especially with all the dogmatic kind of chaotic insanity in this clown world. You know, the more we can kind of break away from that and create our own understanding, the better off we'll all be. Uh, so thank you all for that as well. Um, that being said, thanks so much for tuning in and peace. Peace.